Hello. Good morning. Good morning. This is a special edition of Totally Classic where we are recording uh, in the morning. I guess it's not even really that morning-ish, but it feels very uh, morning-ish to me and certainly uh, earlier than I normally engage in um, any really extended conversation. I'm usually at this time of day, I'm still only really talking to my children most days. And that is a little, I think all children have some version of ADHD if they were compared to adults. So being able to reason uh, continually for an extended period of time is going to be a delightful challenge. And I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow from it. Wonderful. Yeah, this is, um, this is a time for me that has been a little wobbly. You know, it, there was a, for quite a while I had pushed my 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 work. I have a a lot of ability to set my own work schedule, and uh, I had pushed it to eight a.m. Central. And then at some point, I just decided that was just too early. It just felt like an hour too early. Just mm -hmm. I, I've, I've wanted more, a bit more like luxury to have a morning routine and and just meditate and just sort of be get ready for the day yeah right so, so i pushed all my meetings back to 9 a.m and then and then it's funny my body just keeps wanting to wake up earlier and earlier um, oh interesting that's cool and so now i'm i'm sort of shifting back but today is uh as you know a special day for me because i finally joined the covid club yay yay and now they say congratulations and I even brought for those, um, you know, if we ever publish these videos. Oh yeah. My rapid test result. No, it's not even a rapid test. It's a home test. It's a stick. Oh yeah, home home test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, pee, do you spit on it? Do you pee on it? I have never taken one, so I don't know what you do with a stick test. Three drops. Of. Um, it's got like a little vial. Yeah. And they're they kind of all seem to work in some way where you you basically you know, swab the heck out of your nose. Oh, okay. And then, you know, gather a sample and then you mix that with some fancy chemical that I guess is an, an agent or a reagent. Or, mm. I, I don't even know. Chemistry was a long time ago. And then that, um, then you, you, yeah, you put those together in the vial. And actually at first you guys have to remember to like squeeze when you pull the swab out, you just squeeze it out. So you're getting all the goo from your all nose. All the mucus. And then, uh, yeah, then you just squeeze three drops of that into this little stick. And oh, somehow okay. that, that then reacts with what's on this paper. It's magic, I guess. I don't, I don't know how else they could have done it, but cast a spell. And then, I guess, yeah, I guess so. Dark, dark magic. Any well, I know. advanced technology yeah. is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs> that is the sort of, uh, that's how the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has started to premise almost all magic in their reckoning. Uh, not all of it, but certainly like in Asgard and like Thor's whole thing, they were like, oh, they're like, oh, the magic you do. And they were like, well, it's just advanced technology. And I was like, well, I mean, me as, a, as the, my inner child and my present child, I was like, that's terrible. That's like at the end of the thing. And they're like, it was really all a dream. Here's how we did it. It's like when, uh, maybe this is gonna offend some certain, maybe I guess the millennials, 
It was like in when uh, George Lucas went into the sequels and started explaining like midichlorians and how the force works. It was like, what? No, 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 nobody needs that. Now, of course, if I was reading it in book form, I'd be like, hmm, well, it's yeah, really fascinating. And, and actually, because it, since it's based on midichlorians in your, in your blood that are detectable, that's why Vader was, you know, Anakin was destined to perhaps be the most powerful Jedi of all time. And yet when he lost limbs uh, and became Vader, he'd lost much of his like ability to manipulate force because he'd literally lost body mass, which would have contained many of those, those midichlorians. And so, okay, obviously some part of me likes it. Did he lose power? I mean, he would have had to have, right? I mean, that's his. No, this is the problem. I haven't seen the uh, Obi Wan uh, show. Uh, I just finished it. Okay, I watched the first two, and I was like, I don't think I'm watching the rest of this. I think this is terrible. Um, but now that it's finished, I'm probably going to go back and watch them all. Um, but the first two episodes, I thought were straight up booty, and I was like, I cannot believe this. And I was so excited because there's an actress in there uh, named Moses, which is my daughter's name. Um, and I'd really liked her in The Queen's Gambit. And I think I actually know somebody who trained her or whatever for that role. And uh, I was super excited and I thought she was terrible. And then it, she got kind of like all this like racist stuff online, which really bummed me out. And that, the Star Wars fandom constantly irritates me. And then I was so mad because I was like, oh, now these racist people attacked her. Like it said, the problem was her blackness. And I was like, no, her bl blackness wasn't the problem. Her blandness, the fact that she didn't make interesting decisions as an actress. And now that you've introduced race, we can't criticize her her just performance. And the fact that I think she, as many, many, many actors, and who knows, it probably would have happened to me too if I was put in those positions. They get overwhelmed by the moment. This happened in the in the prequels too with Star Wars. They get overwhelmed and they don't really know how to how to inhabit a space of that sort of grandeur and ridiculousness. And then if they don't have a good director, then the director's not going to help them, you know, which is why even like Natalie Portman was terrible in the prequels or whatever, you know, and she's a great, mm. actor, great actress. So yeah, just too, just stiff, man, just stiff and weird. And there's no reason. Have fun, man. This is why Harrison Ford is still like the, I mean, he's the guy from the original Star Wars because he was having some fun, like lounging about, making some interesting decisions, being a little weird, a little offbeat. I was like, guys, why not? Why not make this a star-making turn? I, I never quite understand. And I, well, I guess I do understand. It's the thing of just like get in where you fit in, and the tribalistic impulse, I suppose, as we've discussed on here. Oh my gosh, maybe I am ready to talk. That's too much already. You got me talk st stuck in Star Wars, and we'll never talk about today's. I don't. I'm not even like that big of a Star Wars head. But if you get me talking on it, I obviously, it's it's too important to me. Today's topic is. Is COVID real? <laughs> I think we just did a perfect, that was like how most podcasts go. Talk about something that's completely irrelevant and then go, so today's guest is. <laughs> is it though? It's, there's a couple of funny things about that. One is, um, yeah. you know, I, even though we may never post these videos, I, you know, pick a t-shirt for our show. Yeah. And I, I, I literally like had my Star Wars t-shirt in my hand. Yeah. And then I switched to my. East Fairchild T-shirt from the reunion. This is this is the dorm that we met in. That's amazing. Someone made it. Um, yeah, I think Anna Siri. Ah, uh, oh, classic Anna Siri. Thank you, Anna Siri. Um, and that it does seem appropriate actually to talk about metachlorians because we're talking about stuff in blood. Yeah, and mist and like in the realm of knowable and mysterious, since neither of us are virologists. And technology, because yes. 
I've done, I don't even know how many of these I have. I think I have photos of all of them. I'm weird like that, but it, it was kind of a moment, right? Cause it's like, I don't know, this is the closest I'll ever have to like a birth, a pregnancy test. Yeah. You know, but it, it's like waiting for that second line. It's, the, it's you know, oh, first yeah, line is yeah. control. And it's like the second line is. Okay. The... <clears throat> and it says like, oh, it might be really faint or it might be like really dark. And mine was like, <laughs> it's like darker than the control line. It's like, no, 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 you definitely. Oh, it's, oh, it's in there, buddy. But it could all be a conspiracy. You know, this could be reacting to, I don't know, me having a bad day or something. Well, that's the premise. Like it's, it's a faith leap, isn't it? I mean, anytime we do a test like that, you're like, I guess this is how it's done. I don't know. You don't know. Most people who pee on a pregnancy uh, test stick don't know how it works. They just go, well, I guess it's thing. But then even then, everyone I know, everyone I know who's ever gotten pregnant then goes, you eventually go to like an OBGYN because you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You have to like kind of climb the levels of like validation for the thing. And then you kind of really, for most people, it doesn't really feel real until uh, till it's embodied. And this is why in cultures past, the, the quickening was seen as, it was like a, a theory of like when life entered the body uh, was when you, the first time you felt a child move within you. And you're like, okay, now it's real. Now, nowadays, of course, we have ultrasounds. So you can, so it happens so much sooner that you can go and you like, you're like, okay, now I can see it. Now, now it's real. The four other steps of validation. So for you, like, if you didn't feel, this is one of the weird things about COVID. If you didn't feel COVID, you'd be like, is this real? Do I really have a, do I have a thing? Or, or to what extent um, does knowing I have it make me feel worse? Oh, absolutely. Since the placebo effect and the nocebo effect are both real. Who, who knows? By the way, the, you just said feel real. Indeed. I try to drop that in. My, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, the um, subversive, like, longer term goal there is to have a global drinking game where every time somebody says that, we have to. Oh, I love make, that. In my case, kombucha shots. I think that's that would be what the, the drinking game for feel real would be. Yeah. It'll be like a yerba mate, a matcha, you know what I mean? Like a kind of a little more like an adaptogenic tea, a chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane, you know? <laughs> Something that so, costs like $15 to buy, a, a, like a single beverage of. Um, but you have COVID. Is COVID real is the question. And this has sparked, uh, as, as you can tell by the fact that there's a test in the room. Uh, by a real life circumstance. So this is a last minute pivot into, hey, let's let's interrogate this, especially because you are in the midst of it. You are literally embodying uh, the COVID sensation. I am, I am. Um, so I, Andy Swindler, <laughs> have COVID. And you? Brendan McNamara. Uh, don't have COVID. As far as I know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I could have it right now. I should, you know what? That if we had advanced time, I could have gone and get got one of those tests. Although those tests cost money, which is no. I'm still tests. burning the free ones. Have you never gotten the free ones? No, I never got free ones. Our our lovely um, government of the United States of America has sent me some free tests. Oh, that was sweet of them. I know. I remember, but they said it like two. It was like a year and a half into the pandemic. They were like, oh, yeah. Which yeah. is hilarious. They've been free. They've been free around the world, like literally sent with, uh, you know, whatever care packages or at in countries around the world. I remember seeing, I think Paraguay or something. They were like, 
I watched some, an unboxing of what the government sent to literally everybody. Well, I think oh, it came with a, a personal card from Uncle Joe. So I oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I think it took a while for him to write. It's like it's like when those first yes, it's like when those first stimulus checks went out that Trump was like, my name's got to be on them. People have to know. People have to like know that he was like, I Uncle Uncle Donnie sent you this this loot. Don't forget when it comes voting time. So weird for your favorite uncle. Yeah, exactly. Here's some tests. Here's some tests to spit on. Uncle Joe loves you. So. Let's see, what's the timeline here? So I was at uh, Lakes of Fire, a regional uh, Burning Man event over in Michigan. Gratefully to, to have that come come back and be there. And after three years, um, all that was shut down during the pandemic. And I don't know how much we've actually talked about uh, the fact that you introduced me to Burning Man in 2008. Mm. Uh, so that could be a fun um, road to wander down a little bit. Uh, it was your third burn, your first time organizing a camp, as I recall. Uh, so, so, yeah, that would be, yeah, what was it? My hope, hope and fear was my first year, which is either 2006 or seven. So yeah, yeah, that was my third then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always forget which years I went. I have a patch, thank goodness, that I got at the first one. So I literally can like go pick up my jacket and be like, oh, 2006. I always think it's 2007. So I was like, 2008, I was like, no, I don't think my second. Yeah, I only went three years though. Like, so I, in some ways I felt like, I mean, A, I wanted to pretty much at, as soon as I went, I was like, oh, I gotta, Andy's gotta come to this um, because I love you and you're one of my best friends in the world. And I was like, having gone there, I was like, oh, I wanna share this experience. And yeah, so by year three, I was like, okay, now, now I'm like actually got to the graduated to organizing and then got to um, bring you along. And then once you came, I was like, I guess I was like, my work year is done. <laughs> I also thought organizing kind of got the best of you. I, did, I think. Oh, that's a oh, it's it exhausting. Well, and it's expensive. And I, I, I was very, very broke for the next probably three or four years. So it just wasn't financially tenable. Yeah. But regional, I'm assuming regional events are cheaper. Oh yeah, it's cheaper, easier. Like, yeah, I don't know. I if I I, I tell people if I had all the time and money in the world, sure, I'd, you know, the big burn is there's nothing like it. But and I don't know. It's been ten years, so or eleven years, so I, I don't know. It's different, I'm sure. But uh, the regional is is wonderful. It's like two thousand people around the lake, and it's enough people to have some very cool camps, including ours, and some cool art and cool people and cool art cars, including like a 20 foot tall unicorn. Hmm. Um, and also small enough and close enough to be easier. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's unlikely, I believe, there's one thing that I, I have held uh, in my very limited research about COVID is that outdoor transmission is very unlikely. Yeah, and this is a camping event. Fundamentally, the only time I was in something like like an indoor was I was in a, a giant Aladdin genie lamp for an hour or two, um, yeah. getting some wishes taken care of, and um, as you do, and uh, you know, it seems a little unlikely that the the three people I encountered in that lamp uh, would have given me COVID versus the twelve hours I just spent in the Austin airport a couple weeks ago. Um, so I don't know, I don't know. But uh, what I do know is that when I got back, I was super fatigued. 
mm. which is not that weird, you know, the, the, especially the last night I didn't sleep a whole lot and I, it wasn't the best sure. part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I was only, I was, it was a really short burn. I was only there a couple of days. So it's like, why not soak it in. And so, but you know, I think it's more likely, you know, I, I hold that, you know, maybe one of the reasons I'm sure I've been exposed to it in the last few years, COVID, um, but you know, I keep myself reasonably healthy and I don't have any immunocompromisation. Is that a word? So I, it's also highly possible that, you know, I had reduced my immune system by lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Sure. Things like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't Who knows? Uh, it is what it is. And this is how uh, any virus may happen and any sickness may happen. And my symptoms. So it was, you know, I just remember being really totally exhausted. I think it was like Monday, Monday night. I went to bed kind of early. And then Tuesday, I should have gone to bed earlier, but I stayed up um, doing something really important, like watching Stranger Things. And, and, then, <laughs> and then last night, I had to finish Obi-Wan Kenobi, as we were just talking about, uh, which which I actually enjoyed. I think um, oh, yeah. I don't have the burden, I guess, of critiquing uh, cinema at a technical level like you do. Um, yeah. You know, in many ways, that's beautiful. And in some ways, I imagine it's a burden. I was so taken with with young Leia that that mm. sort of overcame yeah yeah for me, and then I imagined like oh my god like from like a feminist standpoint like we've spent the last you know forty years following Luke's story like mm -hmm. what would it be like to just follow Leia's story <laughs> yeah well and in many ways Leia's story is far more interesting in the like I mean we saw this in the whatever the the last three movies where it was like i think people were highlighting this they were saying all the princesses we grew up with are now generals and it was uh it was uh, her obviously but she became like the leader general and when we first introduced she was a princess by the time we're in return of the jedi she was a slave now granted she's you know she's laser blasting people in the face later in the movie or whatever so well not in the face it's star wars but um and then likewise with uh, Buttercup from Princess Bride was then, you know, is now the general of the Amazons in Wonder Woman. And uh, so, yeah, in many ways, it was like the, the the journey of that Leia character is is really quite quite a bit more epic. You know what I mean? There's, there's Luke's is sort of a humble and simple one where he's like, whatever, uh, you know, adoptee to, to farm boy to fighter pilots and then Jedi master. And then that's it. He doesn't really change after that. You know what I mean? He comes, he he just adds disillusioned Jedi Master and then re-illusioned, I guess. And then, oh, literally illusioned. Oh, whoa. Grumpy. It was a yeah. grumpy period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anywho, uh, aside from my um, late night health habits, I you know, taking reasonably good care of myself this week. And I tested, I definitely noticed it on Tuesday and it was the, it was the brain fog. It was, yeah. the, it was just the like, I'm not, and I was in meetings all day, and, you know, I was kind of hanging in there, but I was actually really annoyed with myself because I thought, oh man, am I, am I too old to party at, at, at Lakes of Fire? Um, oh, right. Sure. Like I thought that, that was like a lingering. Yeah fact that was like messing with me or like I just need to schedule more more days off after or something and I I assume I mean I I really think those were COVID symptoms I was having Tuesday 
I finally tested on Wednesday and and I you know I was working on Wednesday too and that it was really mostly fatigue um and then let's look at my timeline was today Friday <laughs> and then it was yesterday yeah yesterday I woke up and it was just like headache body ache um but really I didn't have a fever I checked my temperature several times I didn't have a fever like a cough kind of emerged, a dry cough sort of emerged throughout the day yesterday. I still have it a little, it probably, I, I muted earlier, but maybe I'll cough on, on camera so you can, you know, get the full effect. Um, <laughs> and then a little runny nose. Um, what's the other? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. So I, I'm, I'm calling it COVID light. Uh, as these things go. Um, and so I, I'm going to go ahead and answer the question. I think COVID is real. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the, and this, uh, the way you're describing it actually gets to the crux of what I think the real question is of when is COVID real? Uh, I know I was just saying to you before we start recording, I think about two people in the past two and a half years who would have said COVID's not real, but there are also people who say like viruses essentially aren't really real. Any virus that hasn't been, uh, what's the word, like fully um, chained out, like codified, then they're like, I I don't believe it yet until I've seen, show me it, show me it. Until you can until you can isolate the virus, stop saying that you know you don't know anything. Um, though there's a few of those folks who were like, and I don't even know, I don't I don't know how to read virus coding if it was laid out in front of me in all the the A D A G C or whatever the DNA of a virus. I don't I, don't, I have no idea. So uh, other than that, though, I think the real question when people say it's COVID real, like we were saying, it's mostly clickbait. Uh, I heard many people complain that there's people out there saying COVID's not real. I was like, I didn't know any of those people at the time. And man, I've gone down all so many of the rabbit trails one can go in online and I've not bumped into those people. So I don't really know. I think there was a lot of straw manning going on. However, with talking about your symptoms, this is what most people are talking about when they're saying COVID's not real. They mean COVID, and I'm putting quotes around COVID, as in this pandemic, as in this panic-demic is not real. So COVID, the emergency, is not real. It is a manufactured uh, phenomenon. And I think that's, I, don't, I, I, I would agree and disagree with elements of that, but that's a completely reasonable argument. We absolutely made things worse by how we reacted. So the COVID that we responded to as a, as a species, really, most of us, like, or, or in terms of organized government and whatnot, dis, does not exist because we cause more harm than good. So obviously the thing we responded to, we, we freaked out like we were being like shot at or whatever. We, we freaked out like from the, early, from the early footage of people like coming out of China, which again, to this moment, we don't know if it was real or not, but like people were like dead in the street. So people responded as though, oh no, we have the Black Plague. People are going to be dying in the street. What the reality is, was, always, it always was, is most people at most, most people at most experience symptoms like what you're talking about. Point, I mean, it's, again, this is like a, this a, a, a virus that when infected, this is point zero, point zero zero eight 
percent of people die under who are under 20 you know like it, you really only get into the danger zone when you're like 70 or 80 when you're in the danger zone for flipping everything so in some ways this is just a it's an it is a novel it is a novel phenomenon of of coronavirus so it absolutely exists the phenomenon around it is not genuine in terms of like how we responded and weaponized it and created chaos and and sowed sowed harm or whatever. So you having the symptoms you have, like most people are asymptomatic. So the the typical COVID would be like what I had, which is I never knew I had COVID and I only found out that I'd had COVID previously by getting an antibody test. Cause I was like, well, I wonder if I ever had it. Check that out. So it's interesting, right? So, I mean, but then when people are like, oh, and it's funny, well, cause you're a vaccine, we've talked about this on the show. So you're a vaccinated and boosted individual. And there's this joke online for, for people who are like still in the COVID Twitter world where public figures get COVID cause everybody gets COVID. Um, uh, and they say, well, thanks to being vaccinated, it's mild, my symptoms are mild. And you sort, sort of like let public figures say they got it and they always thank the vaccine. Uh, which hopefully they get paid like every time they do that, just like whatever, like you do on YouTube advertising or whatever. But the, that's that's this is the realm of like, oh, we're back into insane world or whatever, because it may or may not have anything to do with your response. You, li you literally don't know. Like no one does. And so it's funny to be like, well, because of that, you're like, well, no, because COVID is mild and Omicron specifically is mild. Like you, you might actually be experiencing like a, a, a actually quite extreme version of COVID. But because it's not so bad, as we assign the how you feel to how people responded to COVID, it does seem like a lighter version. But the contention, and certainly my contention is, it's always been that light, like forever. I mean, not literally, because Alpha was a, uh, was a more uh, virulent um, variant than Omicron. So I don't mean that to, to the ultimate literalism, but, but the COVID you're experiencing is pretty much the COVID most people experienced for two years. I personally would like to thank our sponsor, <laughs> uh, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, uh, yes. for reducing uh, my chances of death and hardship. Yeah. And uh, I really hope they send us lots of money. Um, oh, feel free to fund us. I'll, t I'll take their blood money. I don't care. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, actually, that's a, a, a loop back in a way. There's, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention about Lakes of Fire that relate to our discussions. Yeah. The one is they had really hardcore COVID requirements. Like you either oh, had to have uh, proof of vaccination, foolproof. Yeah. Like if, if you took one of the double shots and you only had one shot on a card, like they wouldn't take it. Yeah. Or a rapid test within the last 12 hours, which yeah. I've, I've maybe always, or at least for a long time held that testing is far more like useful <laughs> than, than, than a proof of a vaccination. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it was it was messed up because one of the people in my group, a couple of my friends flew in from Florida. One of them, you know, I, I, I at least knew enough, you know, the gate rules at Burning Man in general are really strict, right? And there's a lot I've learned since then about building a sturdy boundaries. Um, Priya Parker even says, you know, to be inclusive, you have to be somewhat exclusive, um, yeah. like to build a safe container. So they, I it was thinking... It's fascinating having a break and then coming back with everything I've been doing and learning and studying in the last several years. I was like, oh, this is a really sturdy boundary they, they're making here in lots of ways. And you know, it's like no firearms, fireworks, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's a ticketed event. Oh, I still have my wrist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and 
so that I thought was interesting um, that they made that decision. Yeah, and then, which is, and, yeah. And then man, we had to drive all over Chicago finding my friend a rapid test because he didn't have the documentation. Oh, gotcha. Uh, which was, you know, we do what you do, but it was unfortunate. And I, the whole time I was just like thinking like, like why? <laughs> yeah well and, event, you know? yeah well and why because it's a burning event right when rad let's like one of the principles of burning man is radical inclusivity right and that would be radical exclusivity for no reason you know what i mean because that's a discriminatory policy like i was just looking at weird out tickets he's coming to raleigh and i was super excited because i've never seen him in concert and then his tour specifically has disproportionate requirements for vaccinated and unvaccinated people, which is we've already discussed in this program, is not rationally, it's not rational based, it's not evidence based, it's not science based, it's not, it's ideological. So it's a religious, essentially it's religious, it's a religious exclusion. So having a religious exclusion at a Burning Man event is like, I mean, that's like, that's mind blowing to me. That's, it's astonishing, especially now, again, now we're living where we are right now. A burner. Hey, listen, the burner is the man who who made the the two part film, the pandemic. So the the burner world is chock a block with people who are the closest you're going to find to COVID isn't real. Almost all the act like online activists I know, they're either all like uh, Christians or burn like New Age burners. That's literally. And that, of course, that speaks also like who I who I know and hang out with or whatever. And there's plenty of people just like who are just like atheistic scientists or whatever, but. Certainly people in my purview are all like burners who are like, what are we doing? Why are we dividing? Why are we othering? So why, that's an explicit other, othering uh, tactic, you know? And so I'm, I, I, I wrote Weird Al's, I don't know, it probably just went into the, the e-void. But I was just like, now that whenever I see that policy, I'm always like, I just share all the information to be like, this is discriminatory. And it's been discriminatory for two years, like a year and a half, two years. So it's not even like it's new. And again, since... Omicron has negative efficacy and natural immunity has beat vaccination for always, literally for two years. The fact that there's, that's just like, you have to go buy a, a especially a, a private corporations for-profit product in order to have special, special privileges, you know, or you have to go buy another product that you, that you spit on or whatever, but at least the testing makes sense. If you just made everyone test, it wouldn't be discriminatory. I mean, it, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be in, in equally uh, discriminatory. So it'd be yeah. far more useful. And at least you have some sense of like whether whether it was there or not. Now, the, of course, that also gets into, again, is COVID real? Yes, COVID is real. Is COVID avoidable is maybe even like a secondary question. And I'm, it, no, it isn't. Like it's, we've known it's going to be an endemic virus since at least June or July of 2020. And so... That means literally everyone's going to get it. And now because of vaccination, uh, especially with Omicron, people are getting it multiple times, like four, three or four times a year or whatever. So then you're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get it. Everyone's going to get it. It is not avoidable. It will, it will be. <coughs> oh, actually, wait, is that a question? That's a question too. Do you, had you had COVID previously? Or do you, do you know, did you ever have your like antibodies tested or whatever? Have you ever, you haven't tested positive previously, but did you ever find, try right. to find out whether you had it? Well, I'm thinking, I mean, one thing about it is I can't see it. Yes. So it's probably not real. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, these are all secondary signs. Right? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so I gave, I've given blood twice 
during the pandemic. Yeah. It's got my like one gallon pen. I'm so proud. Nice. Um, I'm like, gallon. that's like gross gallon. <laughs> I know. I don't want to picture that. Um, I'm picturing it like in a milk jug. Yep. Um, so, and they test for antibodies. And so okay. both times I didn't have them. Um, but that was, it was a minute ago. I mean, actually, yeah, that's funny. I think both, both times I gave blood were, um, were in 2020. Yeah. So actually, yeah, <laughs> I guess I've gotten a little lazy about giving blood. So, so it's hard to say. I mean, that's a long time, that's sure. a long stretch of time. It's like a full year and a half probably, but I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because we, and we know quite a bit more about this now, but we knew about this in 2020 as well, that like anywhere from 20 to 50% of the population had innate immunity. Um, only recently in the past, like four months of the headlines have been like, scientists are fascinated as to why this could be. You're like, shouldn't have that have been like, have you never seen a movie? You find who's immune and they become the, per I mean, literally there's movies about in viral pandemics or whatever, like where someone is immune and that person literally gets chased by every single other character in the movie because they're trying to like, and analyze them no for us no no, no. we're gonna wait two years then we're gonna talk about it um but since you hadn't had it then it's like it's fascinating to be like for anyone am i one of those people am i one of the 20 to 50 percent i mean if, if if you take the like the maximal view of it like it's a coin flip as to whether you are or not you're like what if i just never got it my dad like my dad has never tested positive for covid um has tested tons of times he works in production where you have to like test every flipping day of a shoot um he's He's literally took, he's, he's made out with someone who had COVID, uh, his wife, uh, his wife and his daughter. He was taking care of both of them in the house. Never got it. Every, literally everyone around him got it. So I'm assuming he had pre-existent immunity. People speculate, you know, from other coronaviruses or uh, the cold, the common cold is a coronavirus. So it could be, it could be that no one really knows. Cause again, people haven't spent time uh, researching it very much um, because I think it would just be much harder to uh, monetize. <laughs> But yeah, so I guess you're not, you're not, you're not the invulnerable sort. And I really was beginning to think maybe I was, because it just, I, I have been, you know, <laughs> so this could be a good segue. Uh, let's say I've been, you know, reasonably careful, but increasingly less, less careful um, yeah. just in terms of being involved with life and I do a lot of volunteer work and like I said, like, what was it? Three weeks ago, sitting in the Austin airport for 12 hours because of delayed flights. I mean, I'm like, I, I, I was saying after that, I'm like, oh, I am guaranteed to have been, there's no way that I was not exposed to COVID sitting in an airport. <clears throat> like, it's just in my opinion, my scientific opinion. Um, yeah. The so only way, yeah, yeah. The only way not to is just to stay away from people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, after after that, I was thinking, gee, if I didn't get it here, I'm, I think I'm good to go. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but again, like, I don't exactly know how long it stays in the body or whatever. Like, maybe I did, maybe it did enter me, and my immune system was fighting it off until, you know, I took a dive. I don't know. I have no idea. We will never know these things. Um, no. Yeah. No. Unless, yeah. Time travel. Yeah. <laughs> unless yeah, unless you're part of like a study then they can kind of like pinpoint and con I mean, South Korea did really well in terms of early on in the pandemic when appearing to as to have figured out a way to control, they did really exhaustive contact tracing. So they could, re they were, A, it's a massively surveilled society. Uh, 
digit and then everyone has cell phones so then you can like digitally track and they actually did a great job in the first especially in 2020 so like if someone got covid like they would flipping find out like who gave it to you and who else that person was around and like so in some way it is possible but it's but holy cow that's a whole that's an operation yeah for most people you just are never going to know you can kind of guess at it what what happened to some of those early like isolated you know like new zealand korea cuz people i still hear people kind of commenting back on that like oh it, 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 you know it like those are examples of like we we could have stopped this we could have prevented this like yeah well you can if you change society forever that was really always the thing so they but eventually you can't change society forever in the ways that they attempted to do so then once people get around people everyone's going to get it so there's no you know hong kong was did really well early on south korea as well and then pretty much within somewhere in the next year and a half, then became like the most infected places on the planet. So all they did was delay. This is the same thing with lockdowns or anything. All it does, all it does is delay what's going to happen. And in many cases, as with lockdown, those sorts of things, uh, it makes other things worse because people are supposed to be around people for viral reasons, for intestinal biome reasons, for energetic reasons, like people need people. With, with very, very rare exceptions. I think there are some people who do thrive in, uh, in isolation, uh, but I think, that's a, I, think there's, I think that's statistically none, honestly, of people who truly thrive without others. So, you know, one thing I was observing in the last day or two <coughs> that we talked about are very different research methodologies <laughs> and so I, I just, I'm a, maybe you could call it like a social learner. Yeah. I, you know, I'm like texting people that I think might have a clue, like including you who do more research than me. I'm like, so I got it. Like, have you heard anything? Like, what's, what's the thing? And, and then, and then eventually, you know, I'm talking to my parents and I'm like, have you, have you called your doctor? And I'm like, well, well, no, I'm just like, what would my doctor know about this? Yeah. <laughs> this is like a generational thing um and I finally called and I, I was kind of validated because it was like the you know nurse or receptionist was like oh he's seeing patients well you know what's what's going on and I'm like well I have COVID I'm just curious if you know if you have any advice for how to you know, yeah do I don't know if she was annoyed but maybe um but she was just kind of like yeah there's no cure <laughs> just, like, yeah. just kind of treat it like a cold you know Quarantine, yeah. quarantine for five days and fluids and, yeah and, and, and then she did say if if you can't breathe go to the emergency room so yes. so, there, so yes. there is that there is that urgent reality um, oh absolutely right? um which i think was what made all the headlines in the early days and, and maybe i don't i don't know like i you know we do it seems like we all seem to agree including you that that omicron is a maybe it's a, there's a less is it that there's a less less likelihood of the of the extreme um yeah which i in the context of personifying an invisible virus i think you know it wouldn't want to kill its host so it yeah be- that's sort of that's sort of part of the yeah the it, it that's kind of the narrative uh version of what's going on viruses don't really care i think that's we have the tendency to anthropomorphize everything um so we're like well that just wouldn't be practical and you're like a virus doesn't care a virus is really just trying to like rabidly 
reproduce essentially you know what i mean trying to like find a place to and, and just more and just more 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 you, and then you if know it, they don't care as far as sorry we have no i don't know for a court no by any certainty i have no idea they could be the most emotionally evolved uh organisms on the planet um who knows so i'm feeling like some tinges in my body like it's like yeah yeah it's, it's trying to teach it's trying to, to yeah they're trying to grow enough to teach us something um well that's funny so this is the COVID is not real thing is her response it's pretty much like a cold Just stay home for five days if you can't breathe go to the hospital this is the COVID is not real people have been saying for two years for almost everybody it's like a bad cold if you're sick stay home if you can't breathe try to do something about it. Maybe go to someone who might be able to help you. Go to a hospital for, I think hospitals are pretty decent for emergency situations. I don't know how they're very good for much else, but that's that seems to be, that's their bailiwick. That's, and then COVID is, and then again, those people are like, what you're saying, it's not real. No, we're saying what everyone is saying now, two years later, when things haven't fundamentally changed other than that most of the population has gotten COVID is the most relevant thing. Uh, and then mass, a mass vaccination happened, which we still don't really know if, I mean, at this point, it's pretty much clear that it's either a null sort of uh, hypothesis, like it, it kind of didn't do anything really functionally in terms of like socially, uh, or it might've slight made things slightly worse. At least the MR, mRNA ones tend towards, they probably made things worse than, than helped, you know? Um, the, it, there are adenovirus vaccines. I just don't know anybody who got those ones. Um, in the US or whatever, they just weren't popular. They weren't hip, they didn't have the branding, you know? It wasn't the Gucci, um, the Balenciaga. Um, so that's the funny, I mean, that's been the funny or I told you so thing, uh, I think for the COVID isn't real uh, accused crowd um, is that that lady said what everyone in that collective has been saying for two years. And so it's, it's, so it's interesting. In some ways it's, it's an I told you so, and then the people who accuse people of saying COVID wasn't real are saying, no, everything's different now. Which is it. And then, and then that becomes, basically it's a chance to have a, to, I told you so becomes a chance to have an entirely new argument and to keep hating each other. <laughs> but I'm glad you had COVID, A, because it's, it's just good, good to have. Um, I've congratulated pretty much everyone I know who, who, got, <coughs> who, who got COVID. Um, that has been my first response to, to, to everyone. Um, yeah, because it's good. It's let's just, you got to get it over with. Right. I mean, I think the the fear honestly for most people existed like before you got it, that it was like, because again, I think people thought it was avoidable somehow. It's, I don't know how people missed the endemic memo in 2020. That's weird to me. Other than that people got scared and then just stopped paying attention to anything. Um, which I, whatever, that's some people's flight instinct. Um, also though, but let's, and let's dig into this. Not only how do you feel in terms of symptoms, because that's only slightly relevant to what we can deal with, but uh, you were talking, we were texting about like how how did COVID make you feel, uh, sort of like emotionally or socially? Because I think that was one of the bigger things that part of the the contagion and part of the COVID is not realness is what COVID meant to people was not real, like it was false, it was demonstrably, objectively untrue uh, in terms of like what people thought COVID was. Um, but I think that relates to um, how your emotional response or even just like feeling, yeah, feelings, feelings or embodied feelings even too. 
Well, it's really great that whenever I space out, I can just be like, I, I, I've got the COVID fog. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I've got COVID, man. I got COVID brain, dude. So what are you going to do? <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> let's make sure. I don't know if I got caught that exactly. But oh, COVID, like, how did COVID make you feel emotionally? Like, did it like mean getting it? Yeah. Does it mean anything? Did, do you, did you feel, have you absorbed a, a, a narrative that getting COVID means something about you? You've already oh, talked oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, no, and, and, and I definitely wanted to go there because we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I actually too was just like, oh God, finally. Like if anything, it just was like, yeah, if I'm going to get this thing, I'd rather get it. Um, and, and in this, and then the, is it real piece? Like, you know, one of my colleagues uh, had it earlier this year and I mean, it, it, she, it was brutal. Like, I mean, she was out for several weeks, lost her voice. I mean, just yeah, yeah. All, all of it. Um, so was she, was she an unvaccinated person? I, a, I think she was vaccinated. Okay. That's a good question. Um, and just, we've talked about it, but you know, I, I am vaccinated. <coughs> with Pfizer, which is a double shot, and boosted once. Yeah. And you know, for each of those, I mean it's that's a funny thing. Like I I had a full day of basically feeling like this each time I got vaccinated. So that there's a there's that piece of it too, which is kind of like, yeah. Oh, well, I guess. <laughs> um oh I know this feeling. Um <laughs> yeah. is, is the is the cure worse than disease? I don't know. But that's a question I have for you that I'll get to in a minute. Uh, yeah. But emotionally I I think I I've cured myself from the 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 shame uh, paradox that seems to be going around that we've talked about quite a bit. Where, and I know I I've had friends post on Facebook when they get it. I've text, I've screenshot those for you. Like, it's 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 confounding. You know, I just noticed yeah. that that there's this reaction of like. And, and you, it's almost start, always starts with like, I was so careful. Like I did yeah. everything right, you know. Isn't that fascinating? As though careful has much to do with it or right has anything to do with it. I mean, that's putting a, this is fascinating, right? This is putting a moral compass on an endemic infectious disease, which has never happened before in our lifetimes. People get the flu all the time and they're like, oh, I'm such a jerk. I got the flu. <laughs> like no one has ever said that. This is new. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to the, the, oh, like there was a belief that I could avoid this or that I wasn't supposed to get it thing. And yeah, yeah. You know, and so I find myself, I think I'm, I'm talking to a few folks in my life who are probably a little more on that um, bandwagon. And <clears throat> I'm having to just really <clears throat> say pretty firmly, like, well, you know, I think it's, it's inevitable to get it, you know, like for myself, yeah. uh, but also for them in case they get it, you know. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. The thing that they're just yeah. kind of like, oh dang, you know, like, um, you know, and 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 like we talked a bit about my my parents, especially my mom, and you know, I I don't have kids, so I I just I assume that there's nothing quite like the protective instincts, you know, around your children, um, so I don't fault that whatsoever, uh, and especially since there is a there is a, an edge case here where it could be life-threatening and sure yeah 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 um you know but that's true of so many things right? um 
yeah so every life life is dangerous man <laughs> uh, but anyway i haven't answered exactly about how i feel um i feel i would say if anything kind of a, a bit yeah like i said it's a relief because i'm like okay finally i've got it um i feel i don't know almost a, a playfulness with it or something you know yeah. again maybe just because i'm another part of the relief is not only getting it but getting whatever maybe the light version of it or the normal version of it yeah the common version of it um and you know there's sadness because i i am missing a few things in the quarantine you know yeah, yeah. but i know owns a record label and they're putting on a big festival this weekend and i'm like i was going to volunteer and actually i was going to double do two volunteer shifts for two different organizations tomorrow and that's all shut down but yeah you know that's Given all the things that have been shut down and missed, for better or worse, uh, in the last few years, that seems like a pretty small price to pay. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's also, there's a funny thing there too. One of my friends, he said this so well, he was like, I, I think a lot of us who are maybe introverted, and, and, and I mean like reclaim our energy alone or, or just need, need alone time more maybe than others, or or suffer from FOMO, like make decisions to do things out of FOMO versus actually wanting to do them. Like mm -hmm. life is just exhausting. And there was a permission, a weird permission. In oh, the for lockdown. sure. And one of my friends was like, well, I canceled everything in the lockdown. And now that we're coming back out, I'm, I'm trying to like not uncancel everything. Like, yeah. Did all those double negatives work? Anyway, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've lost my excuse, you know? So there's this, there's also this weird sense, and this is a broader thing for me about just how I live my life and how I make decisions to do things. Like, oh, I also feel relief that that I can just hang out, you know? And, and maybe that's just, I've had a very busy couple months, three trips and also yeah, yeah. two. Um, but there's that piece of it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels like, I, I think relief is the, the the primary feeling I'm having. Um, yeah. The, um, how did you, I, I really want to try to, if any, since you learn socially, how did you observe or where did you ever witness an origin for the compulsion to feel shame in getting infected with COVID? I saw uh, Lisa Novahan, um, uh, post this is a friend of mine post uh, that she had had COVID and she was like, I mean, she almost had like tears in her eyes kind of vibe where she was just like struggling with these feelings of shame and then wanting to talk about it openly. Like it was like a, did a post on Instagram, long paragraph of like, I'm really kind of struggling with these feelings where I feel like, okay, I'm just sick and I need to kind of just like focus on that. And like, but I, I'm, I'm really struggling with these feelings of shame. Like I've let, I've let people down. Like I've let my community down. I let my guard down and I was sitting with someone and like didn't have a mask on. And, right. and I responded to her, like as I often do with very, very long comments where I was just like, endemic virus, everyone's gonna get it. You shouldn't, there's, I, I did everything I could to dismantle her shame rationally. Masks have no relevance here. Like whether you mask or not doesn't mean anything. It's it's not me, it's, that's a, that's a symbol. So like, so it's, you didn't, you didn't pretend that you were trying real hard by wearing a mask, that's irrelevant, you know? avoidance not going to happen you're going to get it so i just saw people manifest the outcome of feeling shame but i don't know like 
again, it's the question of like, who gave you the 10 commandments, right? Like if I feel shame about lying, I can track it back to like, God said, thou shalt not lie. But I was like, who said, like who said, who said you had to feel bad or feel ashamed when you got like infected with a, a, pen, a virus that traveled around the world that infected millions of people. Like that, that to me, I was just like, where did that come from? Where did, and, and how did that invade? Like who, who said that? You know what I mean? It's fascinating to me. Or did these things happen again, like midichlorians? <laughs> they happen as invisibly as COVID travels, you know? Right, there's the, the social virus. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. The shame virus. Um, well, I, I have to assume that uh, I might have reacted differently uh, if this had happened before we started our conversations. Yeah. Because I, I think you've helped me see this whole thing more broadly. Um, yeah, I think it just, I think there's something about the energy of the divisiveness. Hmm. <laughs> kind of whichever side you're on <clears throat> yeah just the fact that for the last couple of years this has been such an extraordinary division and and i i yeah. I, I i also believe probably lots of other crap has been poured into this bucket like oh, there's oh, lots sure. of other unresolved yes. trauma and energy and divisiveness that it's just yeah. like let's all pour it on the corporate bucket and that's a good reason i hate everybody <laughs> yes um, and so I think that's probably the energy of it, the the nexus of this, like oh, the nucleus. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then and then there's just whatever, and then from that, whatever side you're on, there's a sense of right and wrong of it. There's a sense of doing this thing right, like you said, like a moral judgment, or or even like a scientific, like there's a right procedure to to avoid this thing. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Well, then that's like. Again, this is how I've been fascinated and people, you know, have long coined this phrase, calling people who were like obsessed, zero COVID people or people like who just didn't follow the science, but followed the like the what experts were on CNN kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, followed the experts essentially, which is not deeply scientific. It's the shallow, it's the shallowest scientific endeavor that one could follow. Uh, they referred to those people as uh, COVIDians or branch COVIDians shout out to David Koresh. Um, and there is something very religious about it where, especially with zero COVID, it, and this is this fascinating thing, we, religion is unavoidable for the human species is my very strong thesis that I've yet to see debunked. Zero COVID essentially is, is akin to the Christian doctrine of sin. So uh, any in, in the way the word of God, the Bible describes it is that any sin means to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye. So anything that is any imperfection is most cases like moral act, active action based within your own body, outside your own body, in your own mind, etc. Any imperfection is sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means not just like, oh, that's what happens. That's literally the money you're owed. That's your paycheck for, for sin, any imperfection. What happened with COVID is fascinatingly similar. And that's why I think eventually it got called like the zero COVID kind of cult of zero COVID. If you uh, have any imperfection in your attempts to remediate this sin, the sin of this invisible thing entering your body, then you have committed a moral transgression and you have to experience shame. You have to publicly, you have to repent 
Like that's God's solution. Repent. <laughs> you have to like turn away from your sin and go back the other way. So I kept seeing that when people would get sick, they were like, they were repenting. They were publicly repenting of the sin of allowing just one imperfect moment. Oh, I just, I was weak in this one moment. And now, and then, but the weird thing is all it really is was even if it's team-based, the most you could say is it was like, oh, you just got shot by a paintball, essentially. It was like your paintball team against their paintball team. And you say, sorry for getting shot with a paintball. But you're like, you're in a paintball fight. We're all going to get shot with paintballs. That's the, how the game ends. But you're like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm ah oh, man. And you go sit down and drink a beer or whatever. I've never paintballed. So just whatever happens next. I mean, I picture it like a skiing lodge, I guess. You just go like drink a hot chocolate. Um but anyway, I found that fascinating. Like it's a, it's a deeply religious impulse. And I think that's as a deeply religious person, I think that's why I was fascinated to watch this new religion form, like <coughs> crystalline, especially against people I know who are like vibrantly polytheistic or professing atheists or burners, right? Who are like, whatever, man, it's all, it's all, all, you know what I mean? Whether, whether, the, whether you're perfect or imperfect, you're perfect just the way you are. And then it's like, it's fascinating to me that you, I don't even know if you can get rid of shame is my curiosity. Uh, it's not my thesis. It's just like, that would be the thesis I'd want to test is like, but does shame just really get chased somewhere else? Like, unless you really deal with shame. And then that's, of course, this, like the Bible, like it's a God question or whatever. But people, other people might be like, you have to make amends, whatever you get 20, you know, 12 steps about it. But that's the fascinating thing is like, as you say, the most shameless people I know were the most shamed during COVID for, for reasons I can't even remotely ascertain. They were like, they would, there's the people who throw off sexual mores. They throw off uh, modesty mores. They would throw off uh, divisional at just any, anything that society tells them is right or wrong. They say, you don't <coughs> Shut up, society. You don't get to tell me how to live. I decide for myself how to live. And then yet, when all of a sudden a danger element, all of a sudden like life and death kind of seems to quote unquote enter the picture, they people ran to pick up this moral, this like absolute moral code. And again, just like sort of being, being perfect or whatever, like literally perfect is, uh, it's an impossible one. So it's fascinating to me, like people run to willingly embrace uh, the demand for perfection and uh, and willingly embrace shame, even when no one and this is even when no one told them to do it. How does that happen? It's so interesting. It's so uh, well, I mean, one thing I can associate it with is: Are you swimming into the camera? I'm just yeah. I needed a shoulder. You know, and you're 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 getting in touch with your body more and more, right? You know, oh, yeah. you just move a certain way, and then you're like, oh. And your body just tells you, you need to move that. So yeah, Oh, no, I think that's one of the most, you were, you were asking about embodied wisdom the other day. There, there it is. Yeah. That's it. Your that's body, it. You, just, you gotta, just listen to your body. Yep, yeah, got to listen to your body. Listen to your mind. Listen, listen. Just listen. Um, so stop talking, Brendan. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. There's there's the, the negativity bias, um, which I associate with our, you know, like you said earlier, like our deep need for belonging, because we are social animals. And, yeah. Um. We need each other, uh, and and so there's so many things that that you know the inner critic essentially is like our our our, our commander in chief uh, to make sure we we hate ourselves enough um, so we can you know intercept all of our yeah. horrible 
traits before anybody else notices because if they notice then we get kicked out of the tribe and then yeah 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 and so i think it you know the simple version is we just throw it into that bucket say, yeah oh yeah yeah great you know everybody else is gonna hate me for getting covid so i'll just hate myself first yeah yeah <laughs> um i wanted to ask one thing uh like what's your current research about how um you know, because one of the reasons I, I was sort of grateful to get it was I, I, you know, some things I've learned from you about na um, natural immunity uh, mm -hmm. after getting it versus vaccination. But I also think <sighs> vaccination complicates that. Yeah, well, it's fascinating. I've been I've been chasing it down and asking, I mean, literally asking virologists um, about evidences of what's, okay, let me, about evidences of hybrid immunity uh, in, se in the sequence you're asking about. Uh, so far, I've seen two examples, two studies so far. So that's a very small number. That is nowhere to base a, 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 a thesis on. That's, a, that's, a, that's mere curiosity, typically. Um, just two studies, uh, one of which was literally just, like- just good enough for most of the internet. I, <laughs> it, can, it can be. Uh, I, I, I would caution people to do not to do that though. Um, uh, there are two examples, so two studies I've seen that suggest hybrid immunity, and I'll explain that in a second, um, can result from infection after vaccination. One of those was literally like Petri dish style. They were literally like squirting viruses into, you know, it's a pure lab, not even people involved. Uh, the other one was like a, a, an observational trial um, that seemed to suggest uh, a benefit. Um, but the, the evidence is super limited. Uh, the whole term hybrid immunity essentially means up till now has meant uh, becoming being infected with COVID, therefore gaining immunity from infection, commonly referred to as natural immunity, but many people resist that term. But I think that's kind of more about a tribalistic fight than it is anything else. So feel free to ignore that fight if you encounter it. Um, then after uh, being infected, uh, later got vaccinated relatively consistently seems to produce the strongest uh, immune response across, and that's across dozens of studies. Um, most of the time, it does tend towards uh, not being statistically significant. That means the advantage is there, but it is not, um, it is small enough that it's, it's not outside, uh, it's, it's still within the realms of chance. However, it has been produced, that result has been seen very consistently across dozens of studies. So that's certainly how I have, I, I reckon it in my mind is like, if you're infected and then vaccinated, you've basically got the like the best possible immunity. You've had to jump, you've had to take the most risk because vaccin, uh, vac getting vaccinated is risky and it's more risky if you've been infected previously, which is when people start getting vaccinated, I was, I was telling everybody, <coughs> get, get tested for antibodies. If you've already been infected, I would not I would not recommend anybody being vaccinated if they were infected previously, um, because you're, you're taking anywhere from four to seven times the risk of adverse events. Um, so don't just why why there's you're basically basically like trying to get it's very like uh, Asian American you're trying to get an A plus you already have an A you have an A dude just walk away, um, but now that 
so it's it's speculative at this point. People have just generally been assuming, well, infection plus vaccination equals hybrid immunity. That is not the case. The, the dominant case is infection, then vaccination is hybrid immunity, which is the best possible thing. Natural immunity would be the next best. Uh, vaccination and uh, would be under that. Um, adenovirus, I'd say adenovirus uh, vaccination is probably better under that. Um, and then mRNA, or those could even flip-flop. But then in terms of the cost-benefit analysis, we're talking pure immunity. I think mRNAs are better. Um, and then innate immunity is in there somewhere. And I guess it's a mist. We don't really know enough about it, but that's probably the best of all. It's just to never be infected. Because <laughs> then you're you're straight up impervious. You're, 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 pre, you're, prior, you're bulletproof by nature. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. And the hard thing is, is so we are going to know more about it, I think, in the next three to six months, although we might not because I don't think it's going to go well um, in terms of uh, I don't think uh, hybrid immunity is going to be produced consistently by being infected after being vaccinated because so far we're seeing a lot of multiple uh, infections, especially with Omicron and vaccinated people and natural immunity. Uh, there's a study in the New England Journal of Medicine like last week um, in, out of Qatar those guys are dominant. They dominant. Israel and Qatar. I don't know what it is about the Middle East, but those people like they pump out like pretty high quality, massive studies. I guess because they control. It's it's a little more. <laughs> they control their population more than <laughs> perhaps we do in the West. Um, anyway, that natural immunity is is protecting more in Omicron as well. For a while, that was a question. A lot of newspapers or whatever, AP, Reuters, CNN, made it sound like Omicron's just leapfrogging all immunity. I was like, well, okay, it is. But again, once again, natural immunity is still is still stronger. So that was the hope, was that no matter when you get infected, it's going to double up and be like a superhero team up. Um, but it hasn't it hasn't really consistently been that um, been that yet. So you could get COVID now, and this could help, or you could get COVID another four times. But at this point, your immune system has been trained previously. Oh, and then the big problem is with vaccination, uh, so that's, if that was the first time you had a COVID response, essentially, a COVID immune response with both ADE, which is antibody dependent enhancement, uh, uh, basically your, your system can kind of sort of react or poorly react or overreact to infection if it's if the vaccines kind of train your body improperly is a really loose way of describing ADE. And OAS or original antigenic sin is when the first response your body has to a particular infection is it gets locked in. So it's the only it's the only thing you'll ever learn. I, I compared it to Karate Kid. So I was like it's if if you learned uh, wax on, wax off and that's in Mr. Miyagi, the vaccine trained you to do wax on, wax off, then you can block that style of attack. Like no problem. You can block those like front punches or front kicks or whatever. But if the attacks change, your body can't stop doing wax on, wax off. So you're getting kicked in the legs, kicked in the balls, et cetera, et cetera. So OAS just like, and that can happen with natural infection too. It just seems to have happened more prevalently with vaccination, or at least that's the speculation as to why we're seeing such high rates of infection amongst vaccinated people with Omicron, even more so than people who are, who have never been infected. Who are those people <coughs> and or are vaccinated? So who, so who, who really knows? I mean, by the fact that you're vaccinated, you're as long as Omicron's around, you're more likely to be infected more often. But as I, I feel like in general, as long as you don't lock into one of those bad responses, which not everybody does, it's just, again, this is a statistic, increased statistical tendency, then your body's fighting it pretty well right now. 
So one would hope that your body fights it at least this well next time, you know? So I'll probably have to go back and listen to all of that. Um, I, so, so why am I more likely to get infected because I'm vaccinated? Don't really, I don't think anyone really knows. And I would be purely speculating as to why that's occurring. It's just been happening since January, since Omicron came around. Uh, so Omicron, as, as near as I understand it, not being a virologist, but uh, the, especially mRNA vaccines, uh, specifically use the spike protein, which as best as I understand is like, think of it as like a sticky arm, <laughs> the sticky arm tentacle that reaches out and grabs kind of hold of, hold of you and then starts doing all its mischievous magic. That is very, that's like a childish version of, of what's happening, but essentially that's the, it's sort of, it's kind of the adherent element. That's the, uh, <coughs> that spike protein was used in mRNA vaccines in order to uh, sort of provoke a defense against that, um, specifically with the alpha variant of uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is the, whatever, the virus that produces the infection that is COVID-19. The Omicron variant uh, is a variant of this coronavirus that altered, that evolved or devolved, or I don't know how viruses work. Let's say it's lit for, for sake of whatever, just swiftness, um, it evolved the spike protein. So it's, it is evasive of natural immunity. Uh, again, natural immunity is more protective, but it's evasive of natural immunity. So it's already like a, a craftier variant that can kind of get around prior immune responses, but it's especially uh, effective at evading vaccinated immunity because the spike protein is kind of the, the sticky, the sticky arm is the key element of how the mRNA uh, act like designed its immune response. So it designed, let's say, uh, we think of it in a silly way. Okay, the sticky arm goes out and the vaccine taught your body how to go, kia and chop the sticky arm, right? And, and to chop at a particular velocity. I don't know why I always use karate metaphors, but uh, so let's say Omicron comes along and their sticky arm is super flexible. So the sticky arm goes out, but it's like a little wily tentacle. And so you chop it at the same velocity and it just goes hot dog fingers exactly um so since it does that you being vaccinated have a sort of more spike protein centric immune response built into your system that's the that's the fight that your body has been taught whereas if you have an, a naive immune system that has never been infected you can your body will attack the spike protein and if that doesn't work it'll also attack a whole bunch of things but your body already knows Again, this is the whole thing when vaccines train your body how to fight the virus. If they train them for the wrong enemy, then that can actually be more harmful. So I, it's, that's my best understanding of why as a vaccinated person with this particular variant, you would be more likely to be, to be infected. You're not gonna be more likely to encounter it. That's the same risk for anybody engaging in social behavior. You know, but that's why yours would be slightly more likely, theoretically, to turn into COVID-19 as opposed to just the virus coming in, your nose hairs catching it, your your mucosal immunity in your nose. This is why they've talked about nose vaccines as something that's in development. Your literally like the mucosal lining in your nose can destroy the virus before you ever really technically becomes like a genuine infection. 
superpower. It's not. Yeah, is that neat? That's why that's why you go up the nose for the tests or whatever. Like this is this is the and this is why this is fascinating. No one talked about this. Um, cut like trimming your nose hairs can actually like would be a bad thing in a viral pandemic because your nose hairs are literally part of your defense system against particulate matter. So those old men or even myself when I don't buzz them, like the nose hairs coming out, those guys that's they're super protected. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the it's like the uh what's the word the um the barbed wire fence it's like a barbed wire fence trying to keep viruses out anyway i just think i know that's silly but i, I think it's kind of fascinating anyway i hope that answers the question for again from my best understanding as a you know a, a, an autodidact in this entire realm as an actor yeah. um, no I, I appreciate it i appreciate how deep you dig and that you you know caveat that with not not being a virologist um no, and they're wrong too. You know what I mean? That's the fun part. This is, I only know any of this from reading the science. I'm not an expert, so my opinion doesn't count as scientific evidence. But the, the evidence I'm talking about is more relevant scientific evidence than the opinion of an expert. This is the, this is the fun, this is the fun pattern. Right, but I think you're um, attracted to, for whatever reason, and good at consuming vast amounts of, of data and research and yeah. Synthesizing it and somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. relaying it. Um, yeah. I'm an, I'm an actor. I mean, it's literally what an actor does. <laughs> Reads a ton of stuff, figures out a way to synthesize it and communicate it. There you that's, go. My, that's my jam, yo. It is the core skill. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I feel like we probably need to come in for a landing. I um yeah. It's funny, there were a couple of, of, of things I wanted to mention, and and maybe this could start a new tradition where we offer each other appreciations on the way oh, out yeah yeah uh but was there anything else you wanted to cover any other burning topics no no it's just fascinating and i would love to uh i haven't i think made a direct like viewer reach out but uh or listener reach out anybody who's listening or watching i would love to hear about your experiences uh with getting covid or and how you this is uh, to me the most fascinating element which is and how you felt not just your i don't the symptoms, sure, if you want to tell me, that's fine. But like how you felt about yourself. Did did you feel shame? And then as with, because I, I think, listen, I, I, I you know more about this, Andy, uh, I would assume. But like when you feel shame, well, actually, no, we probably know this similar amounts about it. We probably just actually have different, but we probably have cool, different cool paradigms on how to deal with it. You experience shame, what do you do with it? I think one of the best things to do with shame, uh, or really anything, track the origin find out like, where did this come from? Why am I feeling shame? I think shame is great. I think people, we should be a very, uh, I think shame and honor cultures. I've been obsessed with them since I was a little kid. Uh, used to, I, when I was little, I wanted to be Japanese. Um, they, that's a, like a dominant shame and honor culture. I think it's, it, in many ways, it's really practical and really helpful. And it leads towards like very conscientious individuals. To, to, a to a detrimental degree, right? Because it can lead to high suicide rates. Um, so whatever, there's lots of malfunction with that, but it's to track the origin of shame. So if, for example, in COVID, I want to know who, like, if you felt that shame experience and and if you hadn't practiced it then, it's a good opportunity to practice now. And I want to hear about your journey of tracking the source of it. Why do I feel ashamed for this? As, as we do with anything, if you feel shame, examine it. All right, why do I feel shame? And then if you're, you're if literally you're feeling shame for no good reason, that, I mean, that's a delightful thing to discover because then you can, at least you're on your way to just 
surrender releasing that altogether. You know what I mean? If I feel shame because I'm sticking my finger in Andy's eye and it's hurting him and he's crying and asking me to stop, you know what I mean? I should I've tracked the source to my finger in his eye. And then I should stop and I should probably apologize. You know what I mean? That I'm making it real simple right then. But like, but a lot of times I think we experience waylaid shame. And I think COVID's a good example of it. So that's a that's that's the last sort of caveat I want to throw out is I'd love to hear people's stories and how you how you reason through it. Because the way I will approach it would be different than how Andy would kind of deal with shame, how I deal with shame, how other people deal with shame. But I think it's something we as a culture need to need to just really like look at very plainly and kind of look at the binary. Like, is the shame good? Yes or no? No, no. You know, put it, it's like, there used to be a game when I was a little kid. There was, yes, this is how old I am. There was a computer game where you would just sort things. They would like come down a thing and you would like press the button to go in this sorting or this sorting. And so often it like started with two and then it would turn into more or whatever. But like at first you just be like, does it go in this bin? Does it go in that bin? Is it a good egg? Is it a bad egg? And uh, I think that's that's the kind of process uh, that I'm, at least for old heads. Now you know what I'm talking about. I want to hear about your process of dealing with shame. Yeah. Um, so... <clears throat> These are kind of loop, loop back slash appreciations to, to two things we brought up in this episode. Um, one is uh, I would like to offer you gratitude for introducing me to Burning Man in 2008. It's, I received that. This, this was my eighth burn. And I, I ended up going to the big one for three years also and then switched to regionals. But it's really a... a beautiful, magical, playful part of my life often ends up being an emotional experiment of some kind. Yeah. Tends to exaggerate things that are going on, mm -hmm. I think, in a, in a healthy way. So thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I was telling, I felt kind of like an, the elder burner here with my two <laughs> friends. One had been to one burn and some VR burns, but the other was new. And, um, yeah, I found myself telling a lot of stories from 2008. That was just a really magical experience. Oh, cool. I love that. I love to hear that. I mean, I love to, that's the goal, isn't it? <clears throat> is to like pass, is to create stories that you can pass on. I mean, I'm a writer, obviously, and a creator. So that's literally like what I do. But I think that's what we all do. That's, we either, we might not ever, we have, you know, you can have a stoic, dad who just worked every day, but he was literally writing a story for you in front of you saying nothing. And that's the story he wanted to pass on was like, when in doubt, just work real hard and then bring home what you make and give it to the people you love. You know, that like, that's all we're doing. We're trying, or hopefully, and then those can be bad stories too. You know what I mean? You're like, the story I'm telling is you know, any, any woman I want, I take her, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, you can, you, but we're constantly writing those stories and, and passing them on. And I, 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 I like to invent stories. So it's, uh, it's nice to hear of stories that are based in real life that yield fruit. I constantly think about like sharing my stories and how many people see them or how many people read them, you know, so to look at it in, in life, I think is a helpful thing. I often look at, at metaphors as real and real as metaphor. And so it's nice to look at, look at them all synthesized. So I deeply appreciate that. And I'm gonna, uh, your appreciation. Um, and I'm gonna return the wait, appreciation. Wait, another one. Oh, you have two, dang it, I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> this long to think of another one. 
this long. I don't know. That's yeah, yeah. Too too long. I'm it's this like... many. I'm this many. How old are you? Isn't that, isn't that this, how this many? That's how kids measure everything. Yep, on your you fingers. This many. Yeah. Um, the other, and the this is a Star Wars story. Yeah. Is that Brendan had press screening tickets to the advanced oh, yeah. screening of the Phantom Menace the yeah. week before it came out in like 1997 or something. And yeah, nine, eight, nine, I don't know when that is. I don't know, whatever it was. I don't know. And this was a big deal because we were both star, we both we talked about what we rolled into our dorm room with. We both had like the Star Wars like video cassettes. Yes. Um, Brendan had the, the fancy widescreen one. And yeah, baby. THX. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, you know, Brendan was doing a lot with uh, writing uh, reviews for a magazine. And, and so he had these tickets. And I was just so blessed that, that I got one of them. And then, you know, most people were pretty disappointed with that movie. And so it was, um, I don't know. I don't think I hated it quite as much as a lot of other people. But um, my nostalgia can also overcome lots of other technical challenges. <laughs> yeah, just being glad to be in the world again. Yeah, exactly. And and then and then I don't know. Later, I heard that you know, like you know, if you really put our, the ones we grew up with under scrutiny, like like were they really the best movies, you know, or were they just the ones we, like with the kids who grew up with the the prequels, you know, like the, yes. Did they love them as much as we love, you know, ours? I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, my appreciation is is that you, you chose me, and I got to see the Phantom Menace a week early. Mm, that was that felt very special and awesome. That was like a big screening too. Is that like it wasn't it wasn't Navy Pier? Anyway, um, it was like, but it was like a big uh, screening, like a big huge screen, that sort of thing, which didn't really happen very often for press screenings. A lot of times is you know rent smaller theaters or whatever. But I think they realized every single critic who they would send that ticket to would be like, I'm going to be there, and they everyone would definitely bring a friend, you know, and carefully choose that friend because it was like that was that was one of the more highly anticipated movies I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I think Gene and Cisco were there, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cisco might have been dead by then. Roger Ebert, I think, was still alive. Um, I was critiquing in Chicago. Maybe Cisco was still alive. I don't know. I was critiquing. We went to another movie, and they were yeah. both there. They were right. both there. Yeah, I know. It felt very like, oh, we're in the we're in the big leagues now, hanging out with the big boys. Um, I would like to. Uh, I only have one, Andy. I didn't know there was going to appreciation thing, so I'm being improvisational about that. But um, speaking of. We've, this is partially something we spoke about on on the air, uh, then also something I've been texting about in terms of the way you've been talking about embodied wisdom or just embodied anything. And this is something uh, you've activated the, what is it, Dunning-Kruger effect, blue car syndrome or whatever it's called, blue car effect, uh, by highlighting it's like when you get a new Lexus or something. I've never had a Lexus, but whatever. Someone buys a Lexus and then you start seeing Lexuses everywhere. You're like, oh, oh, oh. And uh, so by you talking about embodied, especially as you've talked about it from a different angle, I know a lot of people talking about embodied things, but it's really coming more from the fitness, well, that, that element, fitness, wellness space, and then having to like listen to your body in order to like continue to grow your kinesthetic relationship and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but you've been talking about it even more so of how it manifests in society, cellular tensions, oppressions, privileges, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
it is you have made me, my appreciation for you is that you have made me a much more aware of my own body. And actually the, once you dig into it, you didn't warn me of how wildly complicated information that comes from our body is. And that it's like your body can tell you exactly, your body like much like I've realized like, like reason or emotions or whatever can tell you a bunch of information, some of which is really accurate. And some of which is like misinformed by things that have happened previously, or my body has all sorts of cravings. And then when I give it my body, my body's like, yay, good for you. And then I feel terrible later. So it's like, wait, which, which part, who do I, when do I listen to my body? You know, when is my body giving me good information, giving me bad information? And then especially it's been helping me deal with um, tension in my life. This is the most appreciative part of it. A, it's just made me more like paying attention to where my body is. And I've learned this as an actor, but I don't always apply it in my real life. I'm like, ah, that's work business. Um, but seeing really how my character and disposition is revealed by what's going on here in this, this is me slapping my body uh, in here has been uh, immensely helpful uh, in resolving um, conflict situations with like my wife and my children. Mm. So if I'm accused of something, you know, if someone's like, oh, you're being this way, you're being defensive. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Maybe intellectually, I'm, I think that I'm not, or maybe intellectually I'm not because I'm just engaging in the field of battle that I enjoy. But a lot of times as I've been like, okay, well, let me check in on the Andy thing. Let me check in on my, in the embodied aspect. Where are my shoulders at? Oh, hold on a second. That's tell. It's a tell, man. It's like a poker tell. And I'm poker telling on myself the way my shoulders are, my chin or my chin is up a little bit, a little obstinate. And I was like, oh no, I'm coming at, this is, I've taken something out of a neutral grappling situation into an aggressive situation with someone I love and I don't want to be aggressive with. So yeah, mm. that has been a that has been a healing uh, and helpful awareness that I continue to grow in, thanks to your provocation. Thank you for sharing. Heck yeah, thank you for sharing. I um, I think it was in college actually. I I, I learned that phenomenon to be known as selective perception. Mm -hmm. Yep, which makes a lot of sense. You can't perceive everything. This is like the inclusivity exclusivity thing you were talking about. You have to selectively perceive things or else, I think basically you'd just go crazy because you'd, yeah. be, you'd be perceiving everything all at once, you know? Yeah, this is the, the, the I was very grateful when I heard this definition of bias. It's yeah. basically bias. It's like, we're yeah. exposed to like thousands of times <laughs> yeah. more information than we could possibly uh, yeah. absorb. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, I don't know how exactly they did this, but they like quantified the the bit rate of our brain yeah uh, the data rate yeah <laughs> which the computers we're creating now are like so vastly beyond that now they don't have like the, the reasoning <laughs> yes you know that's that's the next the, the thing they don't have this they don't have the proper selection bias <laughs> but the but the ability to process vast amounts of information yeah <clears throat> is there anyway i wandered away from your beautiful appreciations no Thank no you. no but it's it's all related and i'm glad i'm related to you <clears throat> in this lifetime. Uh, so heal well. Thank you. This, uh, I'm glad we did this. This felt like a, maybe a, a piece of the healing. Oh, I like that. Mm. Don't be well, send my love to the princesses and, uh, and the queen. And uh, mm -hmm. until next time, my friend, I love you. Love you too. <laughs>